please, will you rise for the Bible reading we're going to do this week? Last week we started the book of Galatians, and today we're going to continue it with Galatians chapter 2. So this is Galatians chapter 2, and I'll be reading from the New King James Version Bible. Then, after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and also took Titus with me. And I went up by revelation and communicated to them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to those who were of reputation, lest by any means I might run or had run in vain. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. And this occurred because of false brethren secretly brought in, who came in by stealth to spy out our liberty which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us in a bondage, to whom we did not yield submission even for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. But from those who seem to be something, whatever they were, it makes no difference to me. God shows personal favoritism to no man. For those who seem to be something added nothing to me, but on the contrary, when they saw that the gospel for the uncircumcised had been committed to me as the gospel for the circumcision was to Peter, for he who worked effectively in Peter for the apostleship to the circumcised also worked effectively in me toward the Gentiles, and who seemed to be, and when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that had been given to me, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. They desired only that we should remember the poor, the very thing which I also was eager to do. Now when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face, because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him, so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, If you, being a Jew, live in the manner of Gentiles and not as the Jews, why do you compel Gentiles to live as Jews? We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. But if we, while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves are also are found sinners. Is Christ therefore a minister of sin? Certainly not. For if I build again those things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I through the law died to the law that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. Amen. Praise God. Uh, so I was writing a poem, and I actually ended up, I'm going to be reading one that I've already read before, but I was praying, and I know this is something that God really needed to remind me of, and he wants to remind you of this also. So before I read it, I want to read a verse from Mark chapter 14, Mark chapter 14, verses 33 through 36. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be very distressed and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch. 
And he went a little beyond them and fell to the ground and began to pray that if it were possible, the hour might pass him by. And he was saying, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but you will. I know many of us have been in a situation where we, see, where we feel so anguished that we don't want to live anymore. Or we feel like we're going through something so hard and we just want to sit and talk to somebody. And a couple days ago, I was feeling that. And it was really late at night. It was like 3 in the morning and I couldn't sleep because I was just thinking about all, the, all these things in my life, all my troubles. And I really just wanted to talk to somebody about them. And I'm just thinking, I'm like, man, should I call somebody up? Should I text somebody? Should I go wake up my mom? And God, he just knocks on my heart. He's like, Dasha, I'm right here. What are you doing? You can talk to me. I'm the best person that you can talk to. And I just started talking to him, talking to Christ, just telling him my troubles. And I, it was just something that was going inside of my heart that really hurt me. And it was just bubbling and bubbling. And I was just, just started praying normally, as I normally would. And I'm just kind of telling him about my day and everything. And then I just break down to him. And I'm like, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do about these things. And I'm crying and I'm crying out to him. And it feels like every time that I've come to this place where something goes wrong or I'm really troubled about something and I'm on my knees and I'm crying, I've gotten up and I haven't felt anything or I don't know what to do after that. Just like you spill out your feelings to somebody and you feel a little bit better. But then the next day, that thing is still on your mind. And that night... I was praying, and I was just crying out to God, and I was like, God, I really, I just don't know what to do, but every time I'm in prayer, I just, I can't get up and be like, you know, you know what, God, I know you're not going to do anything. I know there's no point of this. I know there's no point of me keeping going. Every time, even though I may not exactly feel that, I have to say, God, but I'm, I'm just going to keep going, even though I don't know what's going to happen next, even though I can't see the future, and I'm asking you to show me and give me clarity, but I'm just not seeing any clarity. I'm just going to keep going, and I'm just going to somehow just keep holding on to you. And I was praying, and I was telling all these things to God, and he just lifted me up, and he gave me so much joy. And I was crying, and I was lifting up my hands and singing, and I just... Nobody else can do that to you. No friend can give you that same kind of confidence. Nobody can lift you up like God does. And sometimes it feels like there is no hope and you don't know what to do and you just have to hold on to that faith or to those words. But God's always going to come through and he's going to give you that burst of faith that you need, that strength that you need. And I just want to encourage you guys to come to that place, to come to that hiding place. And don't before you come to a friend, come to God. Because God's going to give you that comfort that you need. He's going to give you that completion that you seek for. And uh, another verse to encourage you guys of that, because even Christ felt that. And he came to his father. And even his disciples, they fell asleep after that. Here's another verse from Psalms 91, verses 1 through 4. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For it is he who delivers you from the snare of the trapper and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you may seek refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a bulwark. Remember those words. This is Psalm 91, and we had to memorize this whole chapter when I went to TCA, and it has helped me so many times. So if you guys need some kind of verse to help you keep going, read Psalms 91. It's really encouraging. I was in such a cold place, displaced from reality, the same routine on repeat. Wake up, face the day, hide your face, and be the same. Make no one notice Carry the burden and hold back your emotion. 
and so the day has ended. The night has ascended, and I am displaced from the present. I'm finally alone, and I run to your abode. I close the door behind me, but my heart opens before thee. On my knees I fall, my head leans against the wall, and my soul calls, Father, if you're near me, Abba, can you hear me? I have always come to you cold, always ran to you from hiding with tears streaming down my face, with regret on the tail of my pace, with sorrow and anguish, with problems and hardships. I haven't even said anything and already I'm weeping, I'm holding back screaming and only to you I can break. Only you know my life and every mistake. What gives me headaches, what makes my soul quake, what makes my very foundation shake. Who can see the eyes that hold the curtain to the heartache hidden beneath the surface? I can hide suffering in plain sight, but it takes all my might. I'm catching each breath like I'll never breathe again. I'm saving every drop of water like I'll never drink again. I go about my days with no promise for tomorrow. God, I'm overtaken with the sorrow. I'm crushed to the point of death. I don't know how much longer I can take. I'm tired, unrest. My hands shake, my heart aches, and I'm ready to break. Only you, oh God, knows what can hurt me, what concerns me. Only you have the eyes to see and know that I am absolutely numb, incapable of feeling anything. Everything hits me all at once, and I'm overcome. So I run to my secret place, to my hiding place, and I pray. I'm ready to fall and stay fallen, to be forgotten. But your right hand holds me up. The spirit is revived and gives me strength to stand up once again. And I know that my prayers, they don't just go to the ceiling. I know every word has not been in vain, and it's not just a feeling. But a confidence in trusting that the moon and stars may fade away, but God stays. That heaven and earth may pass away, but he still remains. That my problems may seem big, but my God is so much bigger. He comforts me in times of despair. He delivers me out of every snare. I've come to realize that the part of overcoming is trying. It's getting back up and fighting, even when it feels like I'm not living, but barely surviving. When waves hit against the rocks, the rocks get shaped by their knocks. So mold the clay, pave the way to salvation, to my redemption. My life is undone before you, but help me overcome. As I lean against the wall, as I cry out, as I call, I pray, let your will be done. But one thing I ask, give me the strength to obey, to stand up and continue this way. I thank you for those moments. I thank you for weakness, for giving the opportunity to seek you. And God, when I do, truly, I find you. I find you when I close the door behind me and you listen to every word right beside me. So I will not be overtaken. I will not be shaken by the thunderstorms of depression or the shackles of oppression. So when I feel weak, I will fall on my knees. I will run to my hiding place, my secret place, because I know I can do nothing on my own, but I know I can make it through anything. I can do all things through Christ alone. Praise God. Praise God. My heart's beating fast. Praise God. It, that's a gift. It's truly a gift from God. I'm, I'm, I'm pumped, guys. I'm truly pumped. You know, I... I, I I get nervous when I come up here every single time. So naturally, I have a lot of notes. So bear with me, guys. But I'm excited. I'm pumped. 
and I'm encouraged, and this is something, and I find most times that when I come up here or just when I speak in general, whenever it is, a lot of times I feel almost as if I need this word, I'm preaching it to myself so many times. I need this. I need this just as much, if not more, than anyone else needs this. My topic, I'm going to be speaking on the Bible. And I'm going to, I want to ask you guys a question. The question is, why do we need the Bible? Why? Why should we read our Bibles? Why is it so important? Why do we need the Bible? Why? And first off, I'm going to get into it, and I'm going to ask the question, what is the Bible? So we can establish this first. The Bible is the Word of God, and it's inspired by God. Uh, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, and you guys don't have to open up to it. I'll just read it. Excuse me. It says, All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate and equipped for every good work. So, why do we need the Bible? We know what the Bible is, but why do we need it? And, excuse me again, uh, I came up with a list, and it's not necessarily in any order, and I'm sure this could be added to, but this is a list that I came up with, and I have eight reasons of why we need the Bible and how we can use the Bible in our lives. And number one is we need the Bible and we can use the Bible to show us God's will for our lives. Because if we don't have the Bible, if we're not reading the Word, if we're not in the Word, how, how do we know our purpose? What, what separates us from the world, from everyone else in the world who's trying to find their purpose? If we don't know the Bible, if we don't read the Bible, how are we going to know what separates us? What makes us different? Number two is to feed ourselves spiritually. Jesus said, it, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And what is the Bible like we established earlier? The Bible is the word of God. And Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, if you pay attention carefully, it says, Man shall not live by bread alone. So it doesn't say that we, can, we should put food to the side or we should put, you know, whatever to the side. It says man shall not live by bread alone. So we, that means we need something more. We need something more than, than food. We need something more than, than our bread. If, if our bodies, if our earthly bodies... If we need to eat every single day, 
how much more does our spirit need to be fed every single day? We need to feed ourselves. If we're not reading our Bible, if we're not in the Word, studying the Word, then we're starving ourselves. We're depriving of ourselves of that. And we need that. We need that. We need that to grow. How can we grow if we're not feeding ourselves every day? Number three is for discernment. The Bible is the ultimate authority in our lives. If we don't read our Bible, if we don't know the Word, how can we discern from what's right and what's wrong? There's so many, so many false teachers out there. And so many churches these days, churches, not just people who don't know God or don't know the Bible, so many churches straying to the, uh, to the left and straying aside because they don't know the Word. People are not reading the Word of God. And they're making, the, the devil is using this, is distracting us from reading the Word. And they're just, it goes from black and white to a big gray area where people don't know what's right. People don't know what's wrong. They don't know the difference. And if we don't read our Bibles, how can we know the difference? We can't. Number four is the power to overcome. The Bible gives us the power to overcome temptations, trials in our daily lives. And the devil knows that. Why do you think so many times it's so hard for us to pick up our Bibles? I find myself so many times, man, I should read the Bible right now. I'm not doing anything. Oh, no, I'll do it later. I'll do it. I'll read it later. Because the devil knows the power that the Word of God has. He knows the power that it has. He wants to distract you because he knows that the only thing that you can overcome with is with the Bible. There's an acronym uh, that I learned when I was younger. I think this was in Sunday school. And it says, the Bible is the basic instructions before leaving earth. And I know that's like, a more, it's more oriented towards children, but it's so true. It's basic instructions before leaving earth, before heaven. The Bible tells us what, do, what we need to do in our daily lives. Number five is for encouragement. We need the Bible for encouragement to show us God's promises. There's so many verses, so many chapters, so many uh, parts of Scripture where it's just speaking of God's promises, God's blessings. And so many times I, in my life, I find myself, guys, there's, there's days where I'm, I'm down and I'm just, you know, not feeling it, you know, because that's how we are as people. We have those days when we're down. And like I said earlier, when the devil is trying to distract you, trying to put anything in your way to distract you from, man, I need God. I need to read the Bible. Because we read the Word of God and it encourages us. It lifts us up. It builds us up. Number six is that the Bible shows us God's character and the characteristics of God. 
the characteristics of omnipotence, omniscience, and omnipresence, which are God is all-powerful, God is all-knowing, and God is everywhere and uh, every when, if that makes sense. I don't, sorry guys, maybe I'm just not, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know any other term to, to describe that, so. Someone can share that with me after if they know. <laughs> but the Bible tells us and shows us God's characteristics, God's love, God's mercy, God's grace. How can we know God? How can we have a relationship with God if we don't know who God is? We need to know who God is. You need to know someone, to 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 know their characteristics, to, to spend time with someone, to learn about someone before you can really, really get to know them. And this is something that we may not even notice, but so many times, I mean, if I'm meeting someone new, let's say, and, if, and it's, uh, my friend already knows them, let's say, for example. I'm going to ask him, you know, who's this guy? What's he like? You know, I'm going to ask him to tell, tell me about him, you know. If I, if I want to get to know that person, I, I want to know who they are. You know, and that's just natural. So how, how then can we know God if we don't know his characteristics? We don't know what he's like. How can we rely on God? How can we have faith in God if we don't read the Bible enough to know that God is faithful and that God is merciful and that God is loving? Number seven is that the Bible teaches us how to pray. And I want to open up to Luke chapter 11. And, oh, sorry, I lost my spot here. Uh Uh-oh. Here we are. I'm going to read uh, verses 1 through 13. It says, It happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John also taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. Then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come from a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And from inside he answers and says, do not bother me. The door has already been shut and my children and I are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, Yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Now suppose one of you, you fathers is asked by a son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he is asked for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? The Bible teaches us how to pray. 
it teaches us and tells us to ask God, to come before God and to have faith and to be persistent as well. That's not to say that all of our prayers are going to be answered if we're persistent. But when we have faith, when we come before God, when we bow before God, and we just speak to Him as our Father, as our Savior, and we ask, God listens to that. God hears our prayers. Our prayers don't go in vain. So many times we get upset because we're only human. We get upset if, we're, if we have a prayer that's not answered. But God hears our prayers. And He knows what's best for us. God only does, only does what's best for us. He doesn't do anything to harm us. God wants to bless us. He wants to bless us. He wants to use us. Let's not get confused and let's not forget that God's will is greater than our own. And the Word of God shows that to us. It shows us that and it encourages us. And throughout the Word of God, it, it tells us that God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. God is merciful. If we don't know our Bibles, if we don't read our Bibles, <sighs> sorry guys. I'm like tired from talking so much. <laughs> Number eight is the Bible teaches us how to receive salvation. And to me, this is the most important one. The Bible shows us how we can receive salvation. John chapter 3, verse 3. Uh, this is Jesus with Nicodemus. Uh, it says, Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He cannot see the kingdom of God. How can we know these truths if we don't read the Word of God, if we don't read our Bibles? Another verse, Romans chapter 10, verse 9. You guys don't have to open up to these because uh, I'm just reading through them quickly. Uh, man, I keep losing my spot. Uh-oh. Sorry, guys. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. These things, these truths, this knowledge, if we don't read the Word of God, this is not something that's just going to pop up into our heads. This is not something we can just make up. This is the Word of God, the living, breathing Word of God. This is inspired by God. And as I was saying before, sometimes it gets hard to read our Bible. Yeah. It gets hard to read our Bible. That's when we need it the most. And I notice those days when, when it's harder for me to read the Bible, those days when, I, when I'm putting it off till the end of the day or 
I'll only, I won't read as much today. I'm tired. You know, whatever excuses I'm making, those are the days where, you know, I feel, you know, I can feel it. Those days are just, you know, not my day, so to speak. Like it's, and it's not, it's my fault. Of course, it's my fault because I'm not reading the Word of God. How can I, how can I get encouragement? How can I be built up if I'm putting the Word of God to the side? We need to make this more of a priority in our lives, the Word of God. We need it to be the priority in our lives. And I know it's summertime. It's the middle of summer, and, and it gets hard. Sometimes, you know, we're... we're working, we're busy, we're having fun, we're, you know, we fill our days because it's summer. We fill our days with everything else but the Word of God, and we get distracted. It's so easy to get distracted right now from reading the Word of God. But this is when we need it the most, and I just wanted to encourage you guys and encourage myself as well to read the Word of God, to study the Word of God. Because there's so many places in the world, there's so many countries, and this is something that when I was learning about this probably a few years ago when I was first introduced to this, there's so many, there's so many countries, so many places in the world where people die today for the Bible. And I know a lot of people say this, and this is something, oh, people, people die from the Bible. Yeah, that's, you know, oh, not anymore. That doesn't happen. But people are being persecuted for the Bible as we speak. People are dying. People are getting thrown in jail and imprisoned in countries like North Korea. In North Korea, guys, there's, there's Christians. People are smuggling Bibles into North Korea, and the consequences there is, is death, or they'll, they'll put you in prison, they'll question you, they'll torture you. There's so many stories we can search up, we can, you know, just Google it. Look into this. There's so many places in the world where people die for the Bible. People die for this word, and we tend to take it for granted. How many times do we take this for granted? God, I'll, I'll read later tonight. I'm kind of busy right now. I'm, I'm really enjoying Netflix right now, this show I'm watching. We need to make it more of a priority in our lives. This is the truth. This is the Word of God. This is, we need to feed ourselves. We need to feed our spirit. We need to grow and mature in Christ. And we can't do that without the Word of God. And there's no way around that. We simply can't. So, I just want to ask you guys to all stand up and... Let's bow our heads and let's pray and let's pray. Let's ask for the Holy Spirit to convict us. Let's ask.
excuse me, I lost my train of thought. But we need the Word of God. We need it now more than ever, especially with everything going on in the world. You know, I don't, I don't need to get into that because we know. We know where the world is headed. We're, Jesus is coming soon, guys. Jesus is coming soon. Our, our, you know, our years here are numbered. Let's, uh, let's read our Bibles. Let's study the Scripture. Let's know the truth. Know the Word of God. Praise God, brothers and sisters. Thank you, Remus, for the you know, good reminder about why the Bible is important. And before we get into pray, uh, praise reports and needs um, and the final message by German, um, I would like to share a quick word of encouragement. And my, I guess, quick word of encouragement is from a verse and from an example from the Bible. And that, that verse is found in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. And it says, And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And my example from the Bible is found in Genesis chapter 22. Um, I've been kind of reading through Genesis and trying to read through the Old Testament lately just to kind of go through the Old Testament, and that's why a lot of my examples are from Genesis lately. And, it, and, it, and in this example, in Genesis chapter 22, we see that Abraham is going up to sacrifice Isaac. Um, and we see kind of three main points to summarize this story, and that God first tested Abraham. We see that it says in the verse, or in the chapter, that God tested Abraham. And the second point is, that God remained faithful, or Abraham remained faithful to God. And in that third point, that God provided the offering or the sacrifice. So God provided. And this kind of, I guess, or these three points can be summarized in a cycle to reassure that God will provide. And even Abraham ended up calling that place the Lord will provide. We see that in the chapter. And I kind of see the same cycle still apply to us today, even though this occurred to Abraham. The cycle of the Lord providing. And in that, we see the first point that no matter if God tests us or we may experience trials and tribulations, that we must remain faithful through prayer and his word because we have Jesus and the Holy Spirit to comfort us and that the Lord would provide. And we see many examples in the Bible. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, young people. Young, beautiful, smart, intelligent. Amen. Praise God. It's good to be single. <laughs> Not everyone was happy to say that. Hey, there is a time for everything. There's a time to be single, right, Dennis? There's a time to be married. There's a time that God has in store for every person because he has an amazing purpose for every young person, every human being in this world. I wanted to mention that 
Um, I was actually going to focus on a story that's going to relate to us because it's about another young person, and we're all young here in this place. Everyone's young? Everyone's young here? I'm young too. Praise God. Dennis, you're young too? Praise God. Because sometimes people look at me as if I'm old, and I'm not old. <laughs> Uh, but I feel young inside. I actually feel like four years younger inside. Praise God, because the spirit of the living God lives inside of me. And I'm going to feel young even until I'm old, like an old man. Praise God. More people like this in this place? Amen. Amen. All right. I wanted to focus our attention on the rich young ruler that the Bible speaks actually in some of these gospels. And I wanted to focus our attention about the purpose of our lives. And each one of us here has an incredible purpose that God has already prepared even as we were born. And maybe as a raise of hand, does everyone know maybe their purpose, at least somewhat, what God has called them to and where he's leading? You guys could maybe raise your hand. God is already starting to reveal what he wants to do in your lives. Praise God. Praise God. I think the rest of the people, hopefully you're praying about this, and hopefully you're asking God, God, where do you want to lead my life? What do you want to do with me? Because this is the, one of the most incredible things, actually, at a young age like this. This is the time to make decisions, and actually it's going to shape our lives and what we do and where we go and what things that we focus on. If you have the Bibles, if you have your Bibles with you, let's open up to Matthew 19. And then we're going to start from verse 16, Matthew 19, 16. And behold, a man came up to him saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. And he said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man, and the young man said to him, All these things I have kept, what do I still lack? Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. And when the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions." I think this story very, is very familiar for each one of us because, first of all, we're all so young. And there might be rich people in here, maybe. I'm rich in the Lord. Praise the Lord. Um, there, there's people like him where we come before God. Maybe we come before Jesus and say, Jesus, I go to Sunday services. I go to Tuesday night youth. God, I come to prayer nights and I do these things. But do we sometimes feel in our lives like, man, something is still missing. And don't say it's your rib, men, <laughs> young men. The guy's got it. All right. Or the girls, they say, well, I need a husband. Then I feel complete. Or maybe you're on a different area in your life, and you're like, I need to get those 4.0s, and let's make it 4.1. You know, and we care so much about school. We care so much about getting the best grade and maybe getting it better than our neighbor, than our friend, and we start to compare our exams, and we're like, this is going to make me happy. This is what's going to satisfy my life. And then we still come to church, and we still come and do life, and then we realize, man, that felt good, but something is still missing in my life. 
Something is still doesn't make sense. Like, I try to be good. I try to honor my parents. I try to, you know, be a good person. I try to give to the homeless people when they're in need. I try to um, just be good to my friends. I try to just not say swear words. I try not to go around and have sex with people. I try not to do what other people are doing, maybe with drugs. I try to be a good person. But something still feels missing. You know, this is exactly what the young man was feeling, and he's like, you know, teacher, I've tried all these different things. I've done everything that, you know, the, the Ten Commandments tell me, and I've, I've tried this, but I just still feel there's some kind of something inside of me that's still missing. Do we feel that way sometimes? I felt that before. You know, sometimes, especially in a younger age, sometimes you feel like, man, I feel lonely. Or I feel like I accomplished these different things, and it's like, God, is there still something more. I want to say yes. There is still something more. It's bigger than your career. It's bigger than your spouse. It's bigger than anything that we desire in this world because the one that is the greatest is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the one that's going to satisfy all of our desires. And as this young man came to Jesus, he wanted to know. He wanted to have answers to his questions. He wanted to know what's going on in his life. And think about it. He's young. And being so successful already at a young age, some people have to get to their 40s, maybe 50s, 60s, to finally reach to that par, to reach that place where it's like, okay, I'm good. He obtained it at a young age. And then he still felt something was wrong. I wanted to focus on three things tonight, and then we'll pray. And I want to to relate to this young man and just his questioning before Jesus, the things that his conversation that he had with him on just a few things. There was a point in his conversation where he started questioning Jesus. That's number one. When he started questioning Jesus about different things about his life and Jesus, I did this, is this enough? Is this, is this good enough? And then there's a point where there's an understanding that he receives. That's number two. And then number three, Jesus calls him to action. Jesus calls, us, calls him to action. I want to focus on these three things and then we'll wrap up. The first thing in so many times we in our lives, we question. We question a lot of things. We're in search of answers, especially at a young age. They're teaching us science. They're teaching us a lot of things in this world. They're teaching us that, hey, there were dinosaurs, that there were just a bunch of stuff. Like, honestly, a lot of that stuff is garbage. And there's so many things that we try to... The world's trying to confuse us with so many things. And actually, as a matter of fact, because there's so much information, especially right now, the media that's on your phone, the Internet, everything that's, that's in front of you, you have so many things that makes it so much even harder for our generation to see, like, is this right or is this wrong? Should I ask Google or maybe Siri? Maybe Siri will know. And we start to question these different things in our lives, like, hey, is this okay? Is this okay? And because there's so many different sources that's out there, we actually have a hard time discerning what's good, what's wrong. And this is actually what we've just heard, that it's so important to dig into the Word, spend time in the Word, because you're going to understand what is right and wrong. And this young man, he was questioning, he was looking for answers. He wanted to understand what even what Jesus was about, because people were flocking to him, they were running to him, they wanted to receive answers, and they were receiving them, and he decided to do the same thing. A man, a young man, just like us, young people here, had a lot of questions. 
I'm sure each one of us here maybe have a lot of questions in this world and ask, you know, how come, how come it's like this in my family? How come we're going through this in our church? How come there's things don't make sense in my job? How come I have a terrible boss? How come it, things don't make sense? How come I'm not so smart like my neighbor? And maybe we have so many things that we don't understand and we start to question God. And we come and approach Jesus the same way, just like this young man. So there's a search for answers as a young person. And then as he goes on in his conversation, he seeks to be justified. He seeks to uh, justify himself. And then Jesus starts to ask him just a few of the commandments. And he says, did you do this? He's like, yep, I got it. Did you do this? Yep, I got it. Did you do this? Yep, I got it. But Jesus did not go through all the commandments. And then when Jesus starts to question and starts to ask him, hey, let's touch your sensitive spot. Imagine when you start to spend time with God, you read the Bible, you start to spend time in prayer, and there's certain things you kind of don't want to pray about because you start to understand when you start to pray about certain things, you're like, I already know what God's going to tell me. He's going to tell me to let that boyfriend go because he's not Christian. Or he's going to tell me to stop doing that or opening the computer because you know you're going to get tempted again. Or we already know that there's certain things that we, we try to justify ourselves in our lives and we say, God, but I'm good enough. You know, I'm not as bad as those people. You know, at least I come to church. And we start to excuse ourselves and say, God, but I'm at least okay. I just want to pass the gate and at least enter the heavens. Maybe I'm not going to be the highest person, but at least I want to make it inside. And we kind of take that approach of justifying ourselves, what this young man did with Jesus. I love what he did, though. He was understanding that there was some kind of void inside of him. He understood there was something greater than even the riches that he had. He understood there was something related to eternal life. And he asked Jesus, God, what is there, what is more there that's going to bring me into that eternal life? Because these things are not satisfying me. There has to be something more. That was the right step. The fact that we come here in this place, we come to church, that is the right step where we are seeking for answers. We want to know God. I know things, a lot, of, a lot of things don't make sense to me, but I know you have the answers. And I know maybe many things don't make sense in my life right now. And I'm, years go by, days go by, months go by, and I still don't understand. But it is the right thing that we're doing, coming before God, spending time in our prayer rooms and say, God, this is my heart. This is my desire. I don't understand everything, but I'm going to still come to you because I know you have answers. If you're doing that, you are doing the right thing. You are doing the right thing. The second thing in, in regards to questioning, in that phase of question that he was going through in discussion with Jesus, it's, he was at the point where he was full but hungry. He was full but hungry. What does that mean? He had everything he needed, it seemed, in this world. But he still felt hungry. It's the same thing as a person that's a good person but not good enough for some reason. It's the same thing when a rich person is still desperate, which doesn't make sense. It's the same thing when a young, successful person still, he felt he was unsuccessful enough. It's like he gets that 4.0, but still that's not enough. And it's like he's a leader, a ruler, but still looking to be led by someone. Does that make sense? It didn't make sense. It's like he had everything. He had the riches. He had leadership. He had everything he wanted. And it seemed like this is the ideal life. And many times we look through our social medias. We look through our phones. We look at the articles that come out. We look at the, the celebrities, and we're like, man, this is the ideal person they're so happy no they're not they're not happy at all as a matter of fact 
And we start to look at so many things in this world. And it's like we start to kind of maybe let's get that Gucci, whatever, purse. And let's get that next Abercrombie shirt or whatever it is. We start to look like them. And then you're like, cool, I finally got it. I finally saved up money and I was able to get it. And then you're like, man, I still don't feel good. I got to get another one and another one and another one. I'm still desperate for more. This is what it means to be full, but you're still hungry. There's still not enough. As a matter of fact, Jesus has created us in such a way we're going to continue to feel that way until we realize we need him. Until we realize we need him. And this is where the void in our lives, it's just always there until we're filled with God. Luke 12, 22, it says, And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on, for life is more than food and body more than clothing. You know, people of this world, they look at how to be the most successful. They look at how to attain the most riches. They look at how to just get the next big house, the nicest car. And they still, they try to compete with each other. And actually, as a matter of fact, it happens a lot within our Slavic community, unfortunately. And we start to pursue these things. And we think that we're going to be better. We think we're going to, you know, feel better. But there's this thing that Jesus says here. Stop seeking after these things because this is what unbelievers do. Believers don't do that. Believers seek after Jesus who provides for everything else. So this is the first thing, is the questioning phase of this young ruler, of this young person. He came to Jesus with a lot of questions. We come in this life, we maybe came to this service with a lot of questions that have been unanswered so far. There's this point of understanding, which is point number two. There's a point when Jesus says, look, you lack one thing. There's something that's missing, and Jesus answers him. And it's like, there has to be something greater than his good deeds, greater than being young and rich, greater than his reputation and authority. Proverbs 20, verse 5 says, The purpose in a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. Do you realize the purpose of our lives actually is inside of you? The Bible says that it's like deep waters. As a matter of fact, it's so deep you have to get in there and get it. Who lives inside of us? The Holy Spirit, hopefully. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us. We need to understand that we're going to understand our purpose. We're going to understand what's going on in our lives. We're going to understand why things are working the way they are. When we dig deep inside and we say, Holy Spirit, what is going on? When we start to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, when we start to say, God, I pour out my heart before you. I pour out all my desires before you. And be real before God when you come before him. Say, God, this is what I'm feeling. God, I'm feeling prideful. Or God, I'm feeling like I'm jealous of someone else. God, this is what's going on inside of me. God, everything inside of me is boiling. I'm feeling like I'm tempted right now. Be real before God. Tell God what you feel. Start to... Get that relationship going with the Holy Spirit and say, God, this is what I'm going through in my life. 
As we start to talk to the Holy Spirit, as we start to talk to the Holy Spirit, and it starts with just admitting our situation, admitting what our life is about, admitting, God, we don't understand everything. We're not as smart as sometimes we think we are. God, this is where I'm at in my life. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, start doing your work inside of me. Oh, you're asking for a dangerous thing, by the way. Because when you start getting into the deep, it gets real dense over there. The Holy Spirit starts to press you. He starts to mold you. and starts to do so many amazing things that you're just going to have to die fleshly to live spiritually. Amen? It's a whole separate topic. But the Holy Spirit is going to start doing such amazing work inside of your life. And you're going to start to understand God's purpose for you. And it's interesting that every person, the skills that you have, the things that God has placed inside of you, by the way, is something so unique and so amazing that I can never do. There's something that a sister can do and so amazingly that maybe someone else can't do. And something that you can do that no one else can do in this world because God has put his unique fingerprint on your life and my life. And that he wants to have a step into that purpose of what his calling is for our lives. And if God has given you the gift of poetry, do the best job you can and pour out your heart to people. You're going to see the power of the Holy Spirit pour out. If you're a singer, pour out your, your spirit before God and just pour it out the best you can. Sharpen those skills. Do the best you can. If you're the piano player, Play the best. Play before God as the best you can. The skills that God has given you, understand what they are. If you don't know what they are, ask God. Get into the deep waters. Get into what's inside of you, the Holy Spirit. Ask Him. Because there are things that we think like, oh, this I think makes sense, and then I think this makes sense, and then we start to hit walls, and we start to think, why aren't things working out? It's because we were all along pursuing our own desires, our own ideologies, our own things, or maybe someone told us, maybe our parents said, hey, this is good for you because I did this. What about God? Are you actually hearing the Holy Spirit's voice? Are you hearing what the Holy Spirit has been placing deep desires? Because the deep desires that the Holy Spirit pours into you will help you get through the fire, when things are tough, when things don't make sense, when he's going to lead you to places where you might think you're scared, and people will say, don't go there. Well, you're going to say, I'm going to go there because the Holy Spirit has told me to go there. The Holy Spirit pours such a great desire and such great power, such great things into your life, you're going to keep going in life. Even when everyone says, I'm done, I'm going to drop, I, I can't keep doing this, you're going to say, we're going to keep going, we're going to keep doing this, we're going to keep our hands lifted up, we're going to keep going, because you've pressed, you've got into the deep waters of what the Holy Spirit has been speaking into your life. This is going to drive your purpose. This is going to drive the realities that God has always intended for your life and my life. Is when we start to dig into what the Holy Spirit ever always wanted for us, for our lives. The third thing that I want to focus on and we'll wrap up is, is the call to action. There were words that Jesus replied back to. Because the young man, he says, look, what do I still lack? And Jesus says, if you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Come follow me. There's a time when Jesus says, go, sell, give, 
and come follow me. You know, so many times we like to feel so comfortable where we're at. And when Jesus tells the young man, go, think about this. He was, he had backpacks loaded. He was loaded with backpacks. He had things that he was tied to. He had things, he had positions, he had everything he maybe wanted. But when Jesus says, look, go, this is a moment where Jesus is saying, look, awaken from your sleep, get out of your comfort zone, go against the current, go against the flow of society. So oftentimes we get so comfortable in this life and we think, hey, I'm just going to do what everyone else is doing. Hey, if they said this is good, this is what I'm going to be doing. What about the Holy Spirit? What is the Holy Spirit speaking into you? As a matter of fact, many times you're going to be going against the current when it's tough. When the Holy Spirit says, hey, get out of your comfort zone. Maybe you've been in your job too long. What if it's time to leave? What if I want to do something so much greater through your life than just doing the things that you're doing so far right now? What if God wants to bring you from a secular school into a Christian school? What if God wants to take you in ministry? What if God wants to take you into mission field instead of, instead of just doing that, what everyone else is doing and focusing so much on food and riches? What if we got, God wanted us to get out of our comfort zone, get out from our just maybe comfortable seats, and God wanted to say, hey, it's time to wake up. Because the Bible says that, hey, awaken, O sleeper. God wants to do something inside of us. And when God has, when Jesus Christ, in reply to him, started to say, hey, I have something for you. I have an answer that you've wanted to know. And here's your answer. And he says the first step is to go. When Jesus comes to you and says, I want you to do something different. I want you to get out of the things that you've always been doing. I want you to do something different in your life. Take a risk. Take a step of faith. Do something that maybe doesn't make sense to no one else, but because the Holy Spirit has poured into you the purposes of life for specifically for you, you will do it if you will pursue Jesus. The first step is go. The second thing says, Jesus tells him, look, go sell and give. He was loaded. He was a rich man. And he needed to give everything up. Imagine when God comes to you and says, give half of what you own. Or give it all. Or everything that you maybe was, were treasuring so importantly for your life. Things that you valued so much. Maybe God will tell you, hey, go sell your car. Go donate it to someone else. What if God says, hey, your precious job that you loved so much and you got paid in a good amount of money, it's time to leave that place because I want you somewhere else. Are you ready to give it up? Are you ready to follow Jesus? Are you ready to say, God, I'm going to follow you because I know that your purpose is so much greater than what my intentions were. And when Jesus told these words to this young man, that troubled him. Because he understood when you're tied to certain things like that, maybe you've rooted yourself in the wrong things of this life. It's so much harder to let go. This is why God says, don't even root yourself in this world because you are not of this world. You are of God's kingdom. Are there things that God is, are there things that we're holding on to so preciously? It doesn't have to be like this young man that had riches, but what if we relate to the things that are so important and valuable for us? What are things that we treasure so much and we think, I can't let this go. This is so dear to me. Maybe I just can't get that scratch in the car. I can't get that, you know, just get that purse dirty. 
I can't, I just, I value this so much. I just cannot not get into that school. I have to get into that school. I have to get that into career because my parents always wanted me to. What about Jesus? What did Jesus want for your life? What was Jesus' purpose for you? Did he want you to go somewhere else? Did he want you to give up certain things, the things that you valued, so that you would start to treasure what he values? And the Holy Spirit will tell you what he values. And the third thing Jesus says, come follow me. As a matter of fact, the path is so narrow and is hard as a Christian. But God calls every single one of us that we would place his desires above our own. This is the part where God is calling us to literally crucify yourself daily and say, God, I'm going to stop living for myself. I'm going to stop living for the desires. And so many, like this call, the cost to follow Jesus, it is, it is thrown out there for us Christians. It is out there. And Jesus says, look, you're going to be blessed. You're going to see my purpose, my divine, amazing life that I've prepared for you if you decide to grasp it and follow me. But so oftentimes we're so afraid. We're afraid what's going to happen next. And we think, well, what if I'm not going to get married in time? What if I'm going to be so focused on God that I'm just not going to be able to do other things that I ever wanted? What if I'm not going to be able to attain what I've always wanted since I was a little kid? But look, are we serving Jesus or our own selves? Are we following Christ? Or did we want it to satisfy our own desires? There's this battle inside of us Christians that we face these things every day. And we think, is this a decision that's godly? Is this something from God or is this from myself? This is something that we need to ask ourselves every day in the prayer rooms and spending time in the Word. And this is why it's so important to dwell in the Word. So important to spend time in prayer and have the communication with God and say, God, what is the purpose for my life? What do you want to do inside of me? And the things that you have for me, help me dig deep. Help me get in more. Help me do my best. Help me bring quality to what I do. I want to ask you this question in conclusion. Are there... Are we in a step where we are questioning God and we're saying, God, what am I even doing here in this place? I don't understand. I've maybe been going for many years. My parents maybe have been going to this church for many years. Why am I here? Maybe we're in this time of just questioning. We're thinking, God, what is going on in my life? Why am I here in the first place? I have friends out there. I could be doing a lot of other stuff. I could be playing video games. I could be doing some sports. I can be doing a lot of things in this life. What am I doing here? I wanted to say that you have made the right decision in coming here. That is the first step. But I'm praying that God would take us further and answer us to what we need to understand for our lives that God is so much greater than the next career. God is so much greater than the things that this world is offering because he offers eternal life. And that's what's going to bring us true joy. That's what's going to get rid of all the void that maybe we've been questioning about. Maybe the walls that we've been hitting. Maybe the closed doors that we're thinking, why are the doors constantly closing? Well, maybe God has been protecting you all these years because he's been wanting to open doors for you to enter through his doors, not your own. Maybe you're in this step where you're starting to understand, God, okay, this is where you're starting to lead me. 
This is where you're starting to guide me. God, help me get into my purpose. Help me follow what you're calling me to do. Help me get into the, the skills, the things that you've purposed for my life, the places that maybe you're sending me, the things that you want me to do in ministry, maybe in my, in my relationship with you. Strengthen them. Encourage me. Help me keep going forward. Help me get to know you on a personal level. Or maybe you're in the third category where maybe Jesus has been speaking to you and he's been starting to tell you, hey, strip these things out of your life. Get rid of these things out of your life. Start to let go of these things. And we're like, uh, God, I'm going to give this to you. But this is hard for me to give up. It's time to give up. If we want to be children of God, if we want to be people who understand purpose and understand that God's desires are the best desires there needs to be a change in our lives. I want us to stand up on our feet right now. I want us to come to God sincerely in this prayer before him. I'm telling you, there's a lot of young people, and even growing up with some of them. I was sitting in some of these chairs with them, even visiting this youth years ago. You know, years later, some of these people are not with the Lord, and I'm actually very sorrowful. Maybe some of these people actually left because they've become disappointed, and they've become disappointed like this young ruler because they thought, well, God, you're offering eternal life, and I think I got this, and I want it. But as soon as Jesus replies, we think the path is too hard. We think and we say, God, I can't do this. And we start to follow the world. We start to follow our own desires. And we start to run and pursue our own things because we thought the path was too hard. We wanted to do our own thing. But God wanted something more. You know, God wants something a lot more for your life and my life. You know that God wants to do something so amazing, and there's, the devil's constantly try to fight for our lives, constantly tries to attack us and tries to deceive us and tries to lie to us about the things, about who we are, about our identity. Who does the Holy Spirit tell who you are? As Christians, we are children of God, and as a child of God, that is the highest calling you can ever attain. Maybe you're going through struggles in your life right now, and maybe you're questioning God. Maybe you're actually thinking, does God even exist? Maybe there's things that are so hard to let go, and you treasure them so much, and you're like, I can't let this go. I want to pray for you tonight. I actually want to pray that God would strip these things from you. I want to pray for those who are hungry for God and say, God, I want to devote my life completely to you. I remember coming to my prayer, and this is about three years ago, and I say, God, it seems, it seems like life is good, but I still feel empty. And I remember I was crying out to God. I said, God, there has to be something more. And I was pouring out my heart before him. I said, God, I want you. I know there's other people that are doing their own thing. And they're pursuing their own desires, but I don't want to be like them. I don't want to go with the flow. I don't want to do the things that other people are doing. I want to do what you called me to do. And I want to love you with all my heart. I remember just crying out so deeply. And as soon as I started pouring out my desires before God, God says, get rid of this. Sell this. Get rid of that. Get rid of this. Trust in me. Leave this job. I remember I left my job and I, 
I got that answer from the Lord. God told me to leave that place, and God sent me to a different place a few months later. There's things that God started to clean me out, started to cleanse me, and started to say, look, I want this for your life instead of what you've wanted. Look, when God starts to speak to you, you better believe there's going to be change. You better believe it might not be easy. The deeper you root yourself into those things, the harder it's going to be to let go. It's better to be uprooted now before we get deeply into those things. What are the things that are you're tied to? What are the things that we're so hooked on? What are the things that we put above God and that when Jesus calls us, we think, God, I can't do this. I like what I have. I want to call us to prayer. If there are things in our lives that we've allowed and placed those things above Jesus, it's time to repent tonight. It's time to say, God, I'm sorry. It's time to say, God, I'm sorry for not placing you first in my life. I'm sorry for not seeking your name first. I want to tell you, because if we are in that kind of condition like the young ruler, like this young person where we do a few things that are good and we think we're okay, his life didn't turn out very well. He left sorrowful. It's not good enough that we just come to youth services on a Tuesday night. It's not good enough that we just come on a Sunday service. God wants our hearts. God wants our lives. If you want to commit your life to Christ and say, God, I'm sorry for placing other things above you, I want to invite you forward. I want us to pray and cry out to God and say, God, I'm sorry and I need you. And I want to devote my life to you. I want to follow you with all my heart. You're going to see amazing change in your life. You're going to see that everything is centered on God after that. You're going to see that your decisions about schools, work, everything will be on God because you placed him first. As a matter of fact, that will be the most blessed life. Anytime we don't place God first, we start to face challenges. We start to face things that don't make sense. We start to see closed doors. We start to see things that are not working out because we've been trying to do things ourselves. When you start to flow with the Holy Spirit, when you start to follow Jesus, you're going to see such a great blessing. I want to pray right now. But I want to pray also for those who understand that maybe they've placed other things above God. I want to call you forward, and I want us to pray together. I want us to devote our lives to Jesus. I know you might think, well, it's just a prayer. But that step of faith is a time to say, God, I surrender my heart to you. God, I want something more than just the standard. I want something more than just what people say it's okay. I want something more. And I want to invite you forward. We want to pray for you tonight. If the Holy Spirit's speaking into your heart tonight right now, we're going to pray. And God sees our hearts. And he's going to be doing amazing things. Let's pray.